Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Section 10 Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jared Carabas and Pete Blackburn. What's up, and welcome back to the Section 10 Podcast, episode 44, presented by Barstool Sports. It is the home of your 42 and 36, second place Boston Red Sox. I'm your host, Jared Carabas, alongside Pete Blackburn. Say what's up, Pete. <laughs> All right. That's, hey, and alongside our producer, Steve Peral. What's going on? Say hey, Pete. Hey. Steve. <laughs> Say hey, Steve. Hey, what's going on? All right. Getting some baseball talk right here in the Section 10 Podcast. Yeah, oh, of course, it's presented by Barstool Sports. You can do the old read eight times over <laughs> if you never do that again. I'm trying to make you happy, Pete. <laughs> trying that to make you happy. That is just, I never want to hear that sound ever come out of your mouth ever again. I I'm just trying to do something that makes you happy because once you started to complain about the intro, I spent the rest of the week trying to figure out a new intro so that you would be happy and all the fucking listeners that tweeted to you into the Section 10 podcast account complaining about the last intro, that's what you get. That's the new intro. <laughs> it's not the new intro. It's the new intro. It's not the new intro. Sorry. It was, uh, I was surprised at like the, the response. I think it was, like, it was pretty close to 50-50, I felt like. It was split down the middle. It was split. I did not expect that many people to be on my side. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be more like 80-20 in favor of um, keeping the wrestling intro, but it wasn't that, wasn't that way? It wasn't that way. Yeah. So uh, this is what you get. Like you, uh, the only people that, that really, I uh, like truly appreciate that intro are wrestling fans. Right. Which is and this isn't point. a wrestling podcast. It's not, but there are a lot of Red Sox fans who are also wrestling fans. It's true, but I mean, you're appealing to a portion of the audience. It's a slim market. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the portion of the audience that doesn't like wrestling. They don't speak my language. Um, so are we, are we done with that intro? Or like, sure. This is the new intro. Now. I mean, I'm not forcing you. To, to be done with that intro, I was making, like it. I was making a suggestion and voicing my opinion. No, the people, the people spoke. It's do, it's done. It's over. Well, we should definitely find something better than what you just did. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I kind of like. You've it. done like eight voices since you got to my house. By the way, we're in Alan Craig Studios. We're back. First, first time since I double checked. It was Woo! April second. April second was the last time that we were here. It is June thirtieth. Yeah. Yeah. Wowzers. So it's been a little bit. Um, I'm happy to be back. I feel like the shows are better when we're all in the same room. Steve's back from New York. Yeah, yeah. Steve up in this bitch. Been traveling all day for this shit. All Let's go. fucking day, Steve. And actually, are you are you coming out tomorrow night or no? I believe so. Okay, so we're all going to be at Fenway Park uh, tomorrow night, which is Friday. I don't know when you're listening to this. It's what? What is tomorrow? July first? It is. Yes. Start oh, of July first. Friday. We're we'll all be at Fenway. Um, you can hang out with us if you want. Thanks. <laughs> if oh, you are you want. talking to me? Or are you no, talking no, no, to the no. listeners? The listeners. Okay. I knew those listeners. I was, I was, I was like, was thanks. You. <laughs> well, you're staring right at me. You say you can hang out with us if you well, want. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If you guys want to hang out with us, you can. Um, I, I'm not looking at Pete right now because apparently I can't look at him and, and direct. Well, my, you make direct eye contact and you say you can hang out with us if you want. No, no, it's cool. 
I'll just do this right. for the rest of the show. Okay. It's fine. Just face the wall. All right. I'll be over here. Um, so what do you guys want to talk about? <laughs> this is going to go very well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jared's in a very specific mood oh, right he's now. So cranky. Um, what would you be cranky? Let's just say it's that time of the month That's, for him. Well, no, yeah. no, it's just the fucking Red Sox are ten and sixteen in the month of June. I'm not a big fan of that. Is anyone a big fan of that? Is anyone excited? Is anyone happy with the performance of the Red Sox after this month? Because I'm not personally. If we've learned anything from the... Can I come back to the table? Come, yeah, back, to the come table. back to the table. Come on. Uh, if we've learned anything from the history of the podcast, it's that the shows only get better when the team gets worse. The interviews get better. I don't know. I, mean, I think the whole the, show is the like... The voicemails get better when the team is worse. I think that, that the more that we reach for, for content and discussions, like the weirder it gets. Well, and that's we, when I love the show. We go down these roads that were never intended to go down. Exactly. Yeah. When they're good, we just talk about how good they are and like how I want to like, suck Jackie Bradley Jr.'s <laughs> dick and things like that. So and like that's fine and fun, but like <laughs> I love when shit gets weird and it gets the weirdest when they suck. It's because there's so many games that if if the Red Sox are playing terrible baseball, it's just you get punched in the dick every <laughs> single day by this team, and that does something. To a man and to a woman, um, when when your team is playing like shit, but you you have all these Red Sox fans who are so passionate and dedicated, and they still watch every single night whether the team sucks or not. So it's kind of like a um, a support group, so to speak. We're all just kind of suffering together, but we're using humor to get through the pain. When the Red Sox are playing poorly, I thank God for Twitter because we're all taking the beating together. I think everyone, specifically you, I'm sure when Price has a tough start, just takes the beating together. I mean, that's I, what, I that's what makes beating. those stretch, the, the stretches like they had when they were murdering the A's. I think they killed the A's. I haven't heard anything from them since. <laughs> that That's why like going through these stretches is like doable, because those stretches are amazing. They're scoring 12, 15 runs a night. 12. Um, 12. Uh, that's, that's what you live for right there. Yeah. It sucks. It really does. I, I, I don't... As much as I enjoy... The over-the-top um, freak-out voicemails that come after performances. We like got a great batch seen. this week. We do. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard them yet, but I'm excited. That's really the only good thing about it is is the voicemails. It's nice, but um, plus I'm, I think that we take it. We take the show to a place where it's so much different from anything else. Like when the team sucks, if you listen to sports radio, it's just like. The world is fucking crumbling. <laughs> yeah. And we're just here talking about, like, what what occupations these players should have other than being baseball players. Yeah. yeah. It's a nice little way to get away. I mean, yeah. if you're listening to, like, Felger and Maz or something, I was listening sucks, for a little bit Mike. today. So you want to drive your fucking car off a bridge. Right. It's brutal. So I wanted to bring up Felger and Maz real quick. Because uh, I was on with Felger last night on Comcast. And... Obviously, we're debating about David Price. And we were kind of going... I admitted, like, I, I gave him the point. I was like, I totally agree with you. He's been a disappointment. If you were to put one word on David Price's season so far, I mean, you would say disappointment. But I was... I, my point was, you're just going to throw out the fact that he had eight consecutive starts with an ERA in the mid-twos. My point was that from point A to point B, from the beginning of the season until now... Has he been a disappointment the whole time? The answer is no. 
So then Felger counters. He's like, oh, and Carabas wants to nitpick, and he wants to say, oh, you pick a start here and a start there, and if you put this one together, then he has an year. I was like, no, Felger. I was like, I'm not saying that if you take a start in April, a couple in May, and a couple in June, if you put them together, then he's a good pitcher. No, he was good for a significant stretch of baseball. So he didn't understand the point at all, or at least he, he maybe he did understand it, and he was just arguing against a point that wasn't even made. Someone called into Felger and Mads today. was like, oh, where do you find these people from that you do uh, the show Sports Tonight with on Comcast? Like, I felt so bad for Carabas. You stuffed them in a locker last <laughs> night. And I, I wanted to cry for the kid, honestly. I wanted to cry for him. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Okay? Because just because Felger is louder does not mean that he's, he's correct. Felger arguing to argue doesn't sound like Felger at all. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't not sound him. like him. Yeah, arguing without that's a point, not that's not him. Does. Yeah. So can we talk about David Price real quick? Because I'd like to address that. I, I second what you said in that even after the Texas start, there were way too many tweets, way too many articles like, has David Price lost it? I'm like, <laughs> listen, you ignorant morons. The I'm gonna let's get some stats here. Let's get some fucking stats. Before, you don't even have to look them up. Eight eight consecutive starts, two four seven ERA. So eight consecutive starts. <laughs> Two four, Jared. It was a two four seven ERA. <laughs> um, opponent batting average two oh four. Yeah, he was he was the ace that we had asked for. Yeah, and it was crazy because he was getting losses. And earlier he was getting wins for pitching like shit. Right. So we have to call a spade a spade. He sucked to start, and then he did great. And the last two starts have been crap. I mean, I honestly don't think the Rays game was as bad as people are portraying it. No, it wasn't. Ten Ks in one walk. Yeah. This has been the issue, though. He's striking a lot of guys out. I believe he still leads the American League. And, he fell off, and then he came back. Yeah. But he's, he's striking out a shitload of guys, but then when he's missing with his fastball, he's getting destroyed. So um, <clears throat> even me, the captain of the David Price ball washer squad, <laughs> I will come out and say right now, because I, I get plenty of tweets from people being like, you won't say a bad word about David Price. Like It's a bad look for your reputation that you won't criticize him. Name one fucking blog that I've ever written that – after David Price has a poor start, that I haven't criticized him for it. People base way too much of... It's on the Twitter. It, on my Twitter, right. Yeah. Which I'm not going to bash David Price on Twitter uh, for retweets. I'm not going to do that. But if you want to look at my actual analysis on Barstool, completely different story. It's like when uh, a certain person in the media said that we that we were pro te- we were too pro-team. Oh, Kirk Minahan. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk. <laughs> Section 10 alumni. Said that we- I heard you. I heard what you said. Somebody had somebody. I heard you, boy. Oh, uh, I think it was John Tomasi had suggested that Wei give us or me. I was in there. DJ Bean was in there. You were in there. I don't know who else was that in was there. That was it. Yeah. Okay. And they suggested that they give us a weekend show on Wei, and Kirk's response was, "They're too pro team," and that was like ridiculous to me because you're you're definitely pro team on Twitter, but that's like a shtick. Yeah. And it's like, eh, to an extent. I really, Whoa, it's I really very exaggerated. Part of it's real, yeah, yeah, it's exaggerated. But Kirk is like too anti-team. Well, I mean, the, my my point was just that like none of us are really super pro team. No, I'm no. definitely not pro team when it comes to the Bruins. DJ's right. pretty fair and balanced. I mean, he he works with the team, so obviously he's not going to fucking shit on them the way that me and you shit on the team because right. he has to deal with them every single day. Uh, but neither of us are like super biased or no. homers i live on oh i'm 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 a, I'm a homer um in the sense that i live on both ends of the spectrum 
Mm-hmm. When things are going good, I will make it seem like they're going to win the fucking World Series before the World Series is even ever played. When they suck, it's like, you know, I'll come after them. I mean, it's it's. But if it you were in like difference. a mainstream position, I think that you would be more tempered, for sure. Mainstream. Like, you wouldn't be on the... If, like, if you were on the radio and then... Like after uh, the the Sox won like twelve to nothing, you wouldn't go on the radio screaming like Wild Series. No, but Jared's <laughs> no. value is doing what he's doing. That's like like Barstool is that's what you're kind of built for because right. if you're held back by somebody, then it's kind of a waste. Right. Yeah. It's it's a weird dynamic. Like someone was asking me yesterday, like what would, how would you describe yourself? I was no fucking idea. Like he was talking about how you know TV work and radio work are completely different from what I do on Barstool and on Twitter. So it's almost like you have to be a serious analyst sometimes, but then you can kind of like dick around on Twitter and on Barstool. It's it's weird. It's, it's a, a fine weird, line. Yes. Yeah. Like I wouldn't consider myself like a serious analyst, but some like on the baseball show, I kind of have to be. And, you know, I still will like dick around a little bit on the baseball show, but not as much as I would on Twitter or something. We're both, we're both like pretty similar in that sense because yeah. like I make jokes and make light and f- fucking have fun with hockey all the time. But there are certain points where I'm like, literally like trying to break things down right yeah well people don't want like 100 percent serious all the time that, that just puts you to sleep well because you can get that anywhere yeah yeah exactly. and it's like every person and there are like the and there are a thousand people who know hockey more analytically than me there are a thousand people who are smarter and can write better than me but there are not a lot of people who combine the two right. and there's in, not a lot term, that in, also do that while like, looking like matt damon <laughs> that's true also so th- matt damon all these matt things that come damon <laughs> Uh, Uh, but but back to my David Price point so being someone that's often accused of protecting David Price not wanting to say a bad word about David Price it's not true my point about David Price this season has been so far I've yet to feel like he's an ace even when he was going well in that 8 start stretch there did either of you watch David Price and be like, this is a fucking dominant, not dominant ace? No. no. The, the toughest part was, was a good watching pitcher, Price but not is dominant. It was you, good, but not great. Yeah. You wanted to see an ace, but you were tricking yourself into thinking you're seeing an ace. You weren't. You weren't. No. And, and even, you know, the, one of his best starts was when he uh, outdueled Madison Bumgarner. Madison Bumgarner, uh, it, was, it was a 2-1 win for the Giants. Um, but Baumgartner only went six innings. David Price went eight, but then he gives up the fucking game-winning home run. I, yeah, I don't think inning. I don't think that there's there's been a start where I'm like, wow, like this yeah, is where David like the Price. next day yeah. you're like, did you see David yeah. Price's <laughs> like, stuff? This last is night. the guy that we paid for. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I, I will say this: that start against Seattle on that Sunday game at Fenway Park, that was kind of one of them because that was a Seattle's struggling now, but at the time. Robinson Cano had like 80 home runs. Yeah, they. I mean, Robinson yeah, Gutierrez Cano was had like, like the cycle and like leading the, fifth the MLB in RBIs, and that's a lineup with Nelson Cruz and Robinson Cano, and yeah, that that's a tough lineup to face. And he mowed them down. So that was that was probably the one time that I've watched David Price this year. I mean, like, there's a fucking ace because that game against the Mariners that David Price won two to one for the Red Sox. Uh, that was the game that Kimbrel came in and struck out the side in the bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth. Uh, that was the first time since April 29th. And the only time since that the Red Sox have won a game where they've scored less than five runs. That is that's fucking, not good. That's, that's <laughs> not good. That is pathetic. Uh, and it was David Price who, who did that for you. So that's, that's how I feel about, about David Price and his se- uh, season so far is that I haven't been wowed yet. I mean, 
all these people that are saying, oh, yeah, you, you fucking, you're a David Price dick rider. I haven't been overly animated or positive about David Price probably since opening day. That first start against the Cleveland Indians when I said he was going to strike out 10 and then he struck out 10 or 11 or something like that. And I was, you know, saying, oh, he's going to win the Cy Young. That was the last time that I think I was over the top using hyperbole and all that shit for David Price. It was his first start of the season. Haven't done it since. Haven't been driving the David Price bandwagon. I've been waiting for him to give me a reason to do so. And I'll be the first to say that he hasn't. He looks like he's managing games. Like, I think every time you see him out there, I, I've never seen any pitcher take more deep breaths during a game. It's almost like every single pitch, he's in his head like, I can't miss a couple inches here or there. This guy's going to go bridge. I haven't seen that David Price, I agree, that's out there as a horse. That's out there with the batters like, oh shit, we're facing David Price. And that's the most concerning part. Because even when you look at that stretch of what? It was a 2.470 ERA, I believe. 2.47. Yeah, I believe your your mind had it spot on. Um, outside of that stretch, like even in that stretch, did we see outside of the Seattle start? Did we see that like horse price? I didn't see it. I didn't uh, see the guy that was out there like, oh, we got the guy on the mound today. I didn't see that. He did have th- three consecutive starts where he went eight innings, but one of those was the Giants game where he gave up the game winning home run in the eighth. Um, but we, we've seen Price lead the league in strikeouts. He's leading the league in strikeouts right now, but it like does it feel, feel like it, it feels like the diet version of what he's been doing before. Yeah. Yeah, and it's because he's the home run ball. The home run ball has been killing him this Nine year. Nine straight starts, right, with the ding dong. Nine straight starts, and uh, I, I I haven't seen the updated stat in a week and a half or so, but it was something like if you take away the home run ball, his ERA uh, since like May twelfth was like under one. So a lot of, a lot of these earned runs that he's given up are have been on. Home runs. And the fact he's essentially had the same amount of earned runs already this season that he had all last season. Right. That's not ideal. Not ideal, Steve. Not ideal. Um, but the question is, you know, because you've got you've obviously got like the anti David Price army that's out there on Twitter that will tag me on every they'll probably tag me more than they tag David Price himself. Um that are calling David Price a bust that uh we don't have an ace. Hey, I'll even agree. I'll even agree with, with those guys right now that you kind of don't have an ace. Until David Price once again becomes David Price, you kind of are operating without an ace. I'll give you that. But if you're... Rick Porcello, man. What are you, what are you Ricky P. If your stance is that uh, the Red Sox will, won't have an ace in David Price at some point, I can't agree with that. I really can't. Well, I think a lot of people want to give up on them fast, um, on him fast, like especially the the Boston sports radio. I think it's it's a hot take to give up on Price right now, um, but it, it's there's too much there. We've seen too much this season to just be like, oh, he's a bust. Like they gave him all that money and he sucks. It's it's just not the case. And it's there's a so lazy many take, but it's like the the common take right now, and it's driving me nuts. I'm seeing a lot of headlines with like Price major bust for Red Sox is like trying to put price in the biggest bust of, you know, big contracts ever. Let's stop with that. That's just not you're not doing this season that he's had justice. You're you're 3 months into a 7-year deal. Let's fucking yeah, pump the and, brakes and on a half bust. the season he's he's limiting teams to one or two runs. So let's stop with that. Yeah, but with the contract that he got, I I understand like to the point where the contract that he got, he should be fucking dominant. He no he, he should. See the, that with, that's the killer though. It's that like do we think he deserved the biggest contract ever? No. 
Well, it's like the same argument for Porcello to an extent where it's like you Porcello is getting paid like an ace, but he doesn't have to be an ace. Yeah. But but Price is being paid like a fucking superstar pitcher. He has shown that he is a superstar pitcher, so he should be pitching like a superstar yeah, pitcher. With Price, he's supposed to live up to that. I, I think Porcello, we all understand he's not going to pitch like that money. But Price like was, should that, pitch like the top like, guy. That was undeserved. Porcello got undeserved money, and Price has gotten deserved that contract. So yeah, people weren't coming he, out of that like, oh my he's god, just this not is earning. stupid. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there. All right. Well, did you? Are you? Are you want to keep going with the contract? No. Pete, Pete's got a take right now. No, I have a, a report that came out today. Do you see from Buster only? Oh yeah, I did. I you wanted were, to make one more point about the contract. Okay, though. go ahead. Go. Um. So. Rewind back to December when the Red Sox signed David Price, right? The the report that came out right after, I think it was Bob Nightingale of uh, USA, to, uh, USA Today? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Price was going to the Cardinals. And put yourself in the position of the Red Sox. If you're the Red Sox, David Price at that time was the best available free agent pitcher on the market. Not even that, like the best pitcher to hit the market in, in, a, while. in a while. Right. So if you Since don't Scherzer. sign David Price, you don't have an ace, and you go into the season the same way that you went into 2015 with Clay Buckholtz and Rick Porcello at the top of your rotation. How, if you bring in Dave Dombrowski... How is that excusable? How is that you're selling the fans on, we're going for it now, uh, you know, we're, we're making these major changes. Okay, you got Craig Kimball, great. He's going to save zero games because your rotation <laughs> still has Clay Buckholtz and Rick Porcello at the top. At the time, we didn't know how, how good maybe, Stephen Wright was going to be. Maybe even worse than that, if you don't sign David Price, like their backup plan might have been, I don't know what it would have been. but well, they They would have, that or they like would have surrendered assets to trade for somebody. Right. I think that they would have ended up with Zach Granke if they didn't sign David Price, but to the point about, you know, the, that David Price haters are barking on every single fucking time he has a bad start is, oh, he makes this much money. He makes 31, 31, 31 every single fucking time. David Price makes that much money, A, because he's, he's, his, he's a, the most decorated pitcher the Red Sox have had since Pedro Martinez. That's a fact, not an opinion. But if you, the Red Sox overpaid for David Price. They gave him more money than he was worth on the open market to prevent him from going to St. Louis because As they you do needed with an ace. A lot of players, most players. I'm sure he wanted to go to the National. He kept talking about how much he wanted to hit and things like that. And I'm sure that you know, if you're a pitcher in your 30s and you want to face weaker lineups, you go to the National League. You don't stay in the American League East. But the Red Sox literally made him an offer that he couldn't refuse, and he's in Boston. That's what happened. So, yes, the Red Sox overpaid for him. The Red Sox know that they overpaid for him. He's overpaid. No matter what he does from now until the end of his seven-year contract expires, he's going to be overpaid. So let's just stop with the overpaid bullshit narrative. He's overpaid. That's That's... That's a known thing. But can he still be successful in Boston is the question. The answer is yes. And we just saw it. I mean, that those eight starts that Felger wants to hammer me for, for citing, it's, there were eight consecutive. I didn't cherry pick eight good starts throughout the course of the season. He put together a stretch where he had a mid-two ERA over eight starts. That's my point, is that it's in there somewhere. We're no longer talking about... Um, is he potentially injured because he can only throw 90-91? No. And it's in that start against the Rays, he was throwing 94-95. It's in there somewhere. He's got the velocity that he needs. At least he's, He doesn't have 96-97 anymore. But 
he does have the velocity to be able to get out and do it consistently. Let's see it in the second half. So then why hasn't he been able to do it consistently in the first half? It looks like, I mean, well, there's different reasons. I mean, there's no one answer to that question for the whole first half of the season. Um, that first seven-start stretch, it was definitely a velocity issue. Um, I don't really think it was too much of a mechanical issue. I'm sure it had something to do with it. But it, now what I'm noticing, I mean, he's he's kind of reverted back to not doing the leg kick and not having his hands high. But, he, I mean, he still has the velocity regardless. It looks like he keeps throwing this cutter that's about 85 miles an hour. And every time he throws it, it ends up dick high right down the plate and hitters are just crushing it. So, I mean, he has a good fastball, has a good changeup, but when he goes to that cutter, he needs to stop using that cutter. It's not it's not working for him. The last seven of the eight starts that we've been talking about, he was very impressive and had he had a 2-6-1 in the last seven of that stretch. But who also does that and gives up a home run in every one of those games? That's why it's a weird season for him. So weird. Like, who has a 2-6-1 and a seven-game stretch with a home run in every one of those games? So it's just like when he's getting killed, it's with the long ball every single time. Which is bizarre. It's, it's For very a guy strange. that leads the league in strikeouts, it's one of the weirder combos I've seen of any pitcher. It's a, it's a smaller scale of Joe Kelly, almost. Like, how are you such a hittable, unhittable pitcher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you lead the league in strikeouts but give up a shitload of home runs? It's it's very strange. Um, I'm looking up the numbers right now because I'm interested to see exactly what he's doing on that cutter because it's probably not good. Uh, yeah, in his in his <laughs> last uh, two starts, opposing hitters are hitting 750 with a 1625 OPS against good? his cutter. He's thrown 27 cutters and opponents have a 1625. OPS in those two starts. Not bad. So yeah, that's probably something that you want to do away with. If I were David Price, see, I wonder if Pedroia could see that. <laughs> Maybe because if he points it out, I bet he stops doing it. Yeah, he's given up uh, six hits on that cutter, and it's. I'm sure that they've probably all been crushed. Let me <laughs> confirmed. None have landed yet. Let me see. Um, yeah, double. I don't know, this data's messed up. Anyways, they're hitting the shit out of it. They're hitting the shit out of the cutter. So if you're David Price and you're listening to this right now, stop throwing a cutter. The Buster Only report that came out uh, today, the roundup, uh, says that the Red Sox are gearing up for something big. Here's the direct quote My from... My dick! <laughs> I knew you were going to make a dick joke. Here's the direct quote from the piece. Uh, it is within this context that rival officials are watching the Red Sox and Dombrowski and assuming that in the next 33 days, he will execute a lightning strike for pitching and not for a journeyman back, uh, back end of the rotation type. One evaluator believes that inevitably Dombrowski will target a much more exclusive group of pitchers, the young, powerful arms early in their respective careers. Dombrowski has given carte blanche by, by Boston ownership to do what he needs to do now and has high-end prospects to deal, such as Yon Mankata and Andrew, Andrew Bennett. Ben attendee. Uh, that high caliber of assets will give the Red Sox an opportunity to discuss players who might be off limits to other teams, the evaluator said. It's like the Red Sox will be able to buy from the special reserve, he joked, comparing Dombrowski to someone who is taken into an exclusive part of a wine cellar. 
The Section 10 Podcast is brought to you by Sock Signatures. Sock Signatures is the leader in autographs and game-used memorabilia of tomorrow's Boston baseball stars. Visit SockSignatures.com today for unique items and the best prices on Sox prospects from Lowell to Boston. Use promo code Section 10 to get 10% off your first order at Sox Signatures. Com. I've always wondered. Like, it says unique items. Like, what does he have? Like, Yoan Moncada signed some weight dildos. Weight bogs thong. Maybe yeah. <laughs> unique items. Like, we have an Andrew Benintendi signed urinal. <laughs> hey, I mean, the item he got me with the weight bog signed uh, chicken picture. Chicken picture is great. That's so maybe that's a unique item. All right, so back to that story. Uh, so the Red Sox are going to be in on big name. Young, cost-controlled, veiny-cocked pitchers. <laughs> That's what it only said, right? Yeah. Um, if you're the Red Sox, right, where are you looking? Because Jose Fernandez is the popular name, and I would give up next to anything not named Xander Bogarts for him. However, people forget. People forget. The Marlins are in it right now. They just traded for Fernando Rodney today, which I know is not a big marquee name, but he has a point thirty-one. ERA this year, he's made 28 appearances, and he, 27 of them have been scoreless. So they're adding right now. The Marlins are not going to sell off their best pitcher, who just so happens to be one of the best pitchers in the MLB. So we can put Jose Fernandez on the back burner. I mean, maybe you explore that in the offseason. Um, but as far as this trade deadline goes, I don't see a scenario where the Marlins would be like, hey, we're in it. We got a playoff spot right now. Let's trade our ace. That just, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Marlins to do it. They're a really dumb organization, but that seems to be too dumb. They actually just passed the Mets to move into second place in the NL East behind the Nationals. So, Jose Fernandez, I'm going to scratch that name off my uh, wish list for now. The next name that I'm looking at is Chris Sale because the White Sox continue to fall out of it. The Indians may never lose another game again. They've won 12 straight games as of today. 12. Okay. Um, and the White Sox are out of it. I mean, put, stick a fork in the White Sox. The problem here is that Chris Sale has arguably, I don't even know if it's really an argument, he has the best contract in baseball, most affordable for a guy, um, for a pitcher of his caliber. One of the best, I mean, he, you could make a case that he's uh, top two, top three Cy Young candidate right now in the American League. Probably the guy. Could be the guy. Maybe Carrasco, but he's right there. Yeah, uh, or Salazar. Um, yeah, it's true. I think that if you want a, a Chris Sale, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad. <laughs> you know, you're talking Mookie Betts as a starting point. The guys that you, if you're Dave Dombrowski and that's what you're targeting is a Jose Fernandez, a Chris Sale. Uh, what about like a Sonny Gray? A Sonny Gray isn't going to help you right now, I don't think. Like, I know what he's done in the past, but I'm looking at what he's doing this season. And he's had three consecutive good starts. Great. So did David Price. And look what he did after that. Uh, I, I'm not – I mean, if you're going to give up a haul – I don't think that – I don't think it would – it wouldn't take a haul to get Sonny Gray. Would yes, it, it would. Oh, yes, on, it would. On an expiring contract? He's not. He's not a free yeah, when, agent after the year. When is he? No, he's still eligible for arbitration. Yeah, he. You have Sonny Gray. I think uh, through next year. If I'm not see. mistaken. Let's see. He's got arbitration. 
I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand how how he's baseball not a free contracts agent until twenty twenty. That's not okay. good. Yeah, but you, baseball it, contracts. When you get called up, you have six years of service time. All right, he's only three in arbitration years, years and then you're a free agent twenty nineteen. Um, yeah, so you have him for and through twenty nineteen, but. I just if the Red Sox are going for it this year, which I'm assuming that, believe it or not, David Ortiz is probably a big sticking point to how aggressive they are at this deadline. The lineup without him is can be embarrassing. It is like, but I'm saying there are guys on the roster. In Bryce the- Brents is your DH. Jared, he's Jared, not in the lineup. Jared, in theory, when David Ortiz isn't in there, you should still have a good lineup with the guys that are there. But it just doesn't feel the same. No. You're going through, and I'm like, wait, where's that guy that like pitchers still pee their pants to face? Oh, he's not, he's on the bench. Yep. So it's just it doesn't feel the same, especially. And I I know you love the mayor, but one home run in the last like 35 games. But it was the second longest home run <laughs> yeah. hit by a so Red that Sox counts as way more than just season. one run, baby. And I know we're gonna touch up on it at some point, but I think Hanley's probably the worst protection Poppy has ever had. Hanley is not going to be the DH next year. Uh, mark my words. If if Hanley Ramirez is the heir to David Ortiz's throne, somebody along the line fucked up big time. And it was Ben Charrington because he's the one who brought him here. But if I still think smarter than that. He's he's not going to. They'll they'll either trade him at this deadline. They'll trade him in the off season. Um, they can probably get some team to take him as a first baseman now that we know that he's an adequate first baseman. Before it was a different story. You know, he was a left fielder who we had no idea if he was going to be a, a, a halfway decent first baseman. We know that he can be now. Um, so you can at least sell a team on that. You're still going to have to eat money. 100%, which who gives a shit? I mean, you literally have Alan Craig, Rusne Castillo, <laughs> and Pablo Sandoval. You're paying those guys combined like $150 million just to fuck off. I think the biggest deal for Alan Craig's Red Sox career is the studio we're in right now. Yeah, that's the best this thing that ever happened legacy. to him. This is a legacy. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually not even a joke. Yeah. Um, I honestly... I think the studio is the only reason that people <laughs> still know that Alan Craig is alive. Yeah. Well, actually, it could be the Alan Craig Memorial Studio, so that may not actually, even be Actually, he true. could be dead. Do we even know that he's still alive? I, I don't, don't know. know that for a fact. Well, it, well, when he dies, it becomes the Alan <laughs> Craig Memorial Studio. <laughs> Uh, so rest in peace. That's that's what you're looking at right now. You're looking at a trade deadline where don't be surprised if Hanley goes at this deadline. Because if you need a team that I mean, because Hanley's kind of been hitting a little bit lately. If you get some sucker team that's like, yeah, you know, especially like a Texas or something like that. I don't know. Eh, I don't know the Texas. Well, if a team, if a team is like is contending but not at the top of the of the pile the Mets. teams get really desperate and they'll they'll reach like they'll reach for a guy like Hanley being like well if he turns it on in the second half this is a piece that could put us over the edge right i look at the Mets because everyone keeps looking to those teams that are out of it I'm looking at the teams that are still in it that are looking to get a little bit of an advantage but selling a guy like Hanley Ramirez for the Red Sox is like that's I wouldn't say it's like giving up, but that's like conceding that when you're that you're selling, which no, is no, I, I, yeah, no, I think it it's different, what's it's different with Hanley. It depends on who's coming back. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the Mets and you get, yeah, you but know, I mean, if a team if if a team like that is buying, where they're like desperate for that 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 piece that's going to help put them over the edge that they think is going to put the help put them over the edge, they're not going to give up a lot in terms of now talent. But you're saying they'd be getting a pitcher. In return, I'm saying right? that the Mets have a surplus of pitching and no offense. And if Hanley gets hot, then you can sell the Mets on being like, hey, there's not a whole lot of 
you know, so almost like power a, hitters so out there. So almost like a, like a Lester for Suspedes type deal. Kind of. It's like, yeah. It's, it's like, like uh, they're both proven players now, but it's just focusing on a, on like a need. Right. But I still think that you, you're going to have to eat a ton of money to be like, here's Hanley Ramirez. We've assumed X amount of dollars so that now he's, to you, a $9 million a year player versus 22. Because there's no way to justify to any team um, to assume that contract and be like, yeah, here's Hanley Ramirez. Uh, he's a $22 million a year power hitter. He's not. But if I sell him to you as here's Hanley Ramirez uh, has the potential to be <laughs> a decent power hitter for $9 bucks a year, now you're talking value. If, if only he could keep this stretch up because like last eight games looks like he's hitting 345. I mean, I don't expect that through the deadline, but the Mets have the second lowest run total in baseball. Yeah, only the Braves are worse. They're like, sliding. That's embarrassing. The Braves are, Braves are fucking. And the awful. Braves are a Triple A team. Um, but going back to the pitching, the only piece, like you named a bunch of guys who have been talked about endlessly. Yep. To this point, mm-hmm. as as potential targets, the only piece is saying like the Red Sox are in a, or the Red Sox have the assets, and in Dombrowski's like uh, goal is to get somebody who. It sounds like they're like they're aiming to get somebody that nobody has talked about. Like it's an exclusive group of players that nobody even know knows is available. They're gonna trade for Bryce Harper and make him a <laughs> fucking star. But pitcher. like, but yeah. like it's next level. But like honestly, that's Who's what that, that's what the only piece like sounds like. Yeah. Like they are. It says they're being taken into a back room like of a, a wine cellar that but, nobody even knows there's exists. A, there's a fucking volcano in Hawaii that is actually a base that creates elite starting pitchers, and they're going to trade Yuan Moncada there for a, a player Dude, that no one even knows exists yet. I could see Dombrowski being the kind of guy that just has all these secret like compartments and like meeting areas that no one knows about. He just taps like the wall at the right spot, and then the door opens. The like, rotating bon- library? Yeah. Dombrowski would do that. He would he also he pull pulls off a, a deal. brick out of the wall, sticks his dick in it, and the whole room turns and brings him to a pot of gold. If you give Pete a chance to get a dick line oh, in there, of course. he will do it. Oh, of course. It's my contractual obligation. That is true. Um, yeah, I mean, like he's talking like, I don't know if this is just hy- hyperbole for the purposes of selling you know, the piece, but it's, it's, bu- it's also Buster only. Who's Who one of the most shit. respected people in baseball? Not clickbait. And he's talking about like a lightning strike for somebody who is they're considered the quote unquote special reserve. Yeah, which is like that's that's unbelievable. That's uh, that's intriguing. Yeah, and, and it's it's the Red Sox. Like I said, the Red Sox are one of the only teams in the MLB who have the pieces to be able to go out and get a player like that and still contend um, versus um, what they've given up to get that player. Well, let me ask you this. Are you confident in this team and this roster like right now and in the next few years where you would trade a guy like Moncada or Benatendi to to get like a, a two or three? Because they're not going to... They might get a, they might get like a one on a bunch of other teams, but it's going to be a two here because they right. have David Price. Right. That's that's kind of what I'm looking at now. Is the guy that you're going to bring in is a guy who would be a one on most teams, but he'll be a two here because you have Price. Yeah. Um, and would who knows? Trade, would you trade like the elite prospects in the organization, like Mankata and Benatendi, for a guy like that now? 
who's the guy? I mean, it, it all depends on the name. Like Chris Sale, would I trade? Uh, would I trade Yohan Moncada in a trade for Chris Sale? Yeah, I would. But there's a, such a short list of players that I would trade Yohan Moncada for, and it's like honestly, Chris Sale and <laughs> fucking Fernandez. Fernandez, right? that's yeah. it. But that's guys that you know are are available. Potentially, yeah, but who else? Even even throw some names out there, like Noah Sindergaard. Would you give up? I mean, th- th- there's so many guys that are just like, okay, yeah, I would trade Moncada for that guy, but he's not available. Like, you're not going to get a Sindergaard. You're not going to get a Jake Arrieta. But that's that's a special reserve, man. You don't know that they're they're available. <laughs> I, you I never guess, know. I except guess they're off they're off limits to every other team except the Red Sox, yeah. possibly. Yeah, and then there's like that kind of that, there's that tier that's right below that I would put like. Julio Tehran in. So everyone is coming their pants over Julio Tehran. I'm not giving up Moncada. I mean, I understand that Tehran's having a great year this year for the Braves. Great. But it's also the National League and it's also the Braves. I mean, I'm not looking at Tehran um, as a guy who can be like, okay, I'm playing in front of a crowds of 300 people in Atlanta and um, in a weak division and in the National League to come into Boston and be somewhat of a fucking savior like they're not it's it's almost embarrassing that and I, i've written this before i feel bad for the guy that they give up that huge haul for <laughs> that comes in here because the entire t- i mean i feel like the fucking players the players and the fans and the well, media it's almost, it's almost like david price because yeah, they hey, expected to come in and save the entire rotation <laughs> help me please <laughs> But a guy like Price, though, I feel like can handle this pressure. Not a lot of guys can. Even well, when Price can, is doing the, poorly, he handles it. Even if he handles the pressure, it's only, like that's only an ex, like one fifth of the pitching rotation. But I think that the guy that you're going to give that much up for, I don't think all those guys can handle the Boston pressure. It, yeah. And we haven't seen it yet because they're pitching but, in but markets that don't care the thing, as much. Like if you're giving up Moncada or Benatendi, like you don't go out and get an unproven guy. Like an no, unproven you can still be proven. Young... Like Granky, I think would suck here. You can still be proven and not work here. Who who is proven though? I mean, for, for, well, I, Fernandez nobody. has done enough. Fernandez has done enough. What has he done in the postseason? What has he done? Well, in he's high on a team situations? that's not going to play for the post. All right, so you're saying who's proven in high in like the postseason? Nobody. There's no like you, no matter who you bring in here for a huge haul, there are going to be risks. Oh, of course. There's, you name there's the risk player, with Price. Risk. I mean, the, yeah. the whole playoff thing with Price, of course. Sure. But the fucking guy that you just talked about that I have no idea who he is. <laughs> who? The Braves. Oh, Tehran. Julio yeah. Tehran. Yeah, like, I've never heard of that guy. He, I wouldn't say... He's not, like, proven yet. He's not established. He's, like, an up-and-coming, very good pitcher. He's having right? a breakout year this year. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's a he's breakout pitcher. Yeah. But he's not a proven but pitcher. But he was expected to do this. This is kind of like, oh, but, here he is. You know, like, he's been there... Uh, their, but would you say guy. it's like taking a chance on a guy like that? Yes. If you're trading like a top prospect for a guy like that? For Tehran specifically, yes. Because th- so many that's, scouts well, right, are that, like, that, I don't that, know how he's well, going to translate. That, all right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you don't, you're don't. you not going to trade one of those guys to take a chance. Right. You're going to trade them to get somebody who you're very confident is a very, very good pitcher. Jose Fernandez and Chris Sale. Where, where does the list go from there? Because it's not Sonny Gray. It's not. I mean, as good as he's been in years past, he's shown that he can be pretty shitty for long stretches of time, for uh, games. And if you're the Red Sox, you can't afford that. Imagine imagine the shitstorm that would ha- happen if if you gave up a Benintendi, a Yohan Moncada, or even a Mookie Betts, right? Because that's possible. If you trade Mookie Betts in a deal for a pitcher that comes in here and sucks what the fuck would happen? <laughs> like there would like people would be calling for Dave Dombrowski's head. You'd have to fire the, You'd have to change the name of the franchise. They'd be the Boston shitbags if that happened. Jared, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't put a swear as their name. All right. Use your head. Fuck you, Steve. Use your We have a SeatGeek ad, by the way. Oh, let's do it. 
Uh, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. So confused. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, What's the team's name? <laughs> It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those other ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and a website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. Uh, we've we've been hooked up with tickets through SeatGeek. Yep. Awesome experience. Uh, SeatGeek is always the first place we go to for tickets uh, to games or concerts. Uh, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. Just used it the other day. I'm actually trying to get tickets to uh, Wrigley in Chicago. I'm Ooh. going in July. I'm very excited about it. Nice. And you know what the best thing about SeatGeek is? They're not StubHub, who fucking back the evil empire of the Yankees. The official sponsor of the Yankees ticket, StubHub. That's all you need to know. Go to SeatGeek. Fuck them. Fuck, fuck, fuck StubHub. Um, all right. So, where was I? Uh, everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. Uh, they do all the price comparison comparisons for you uh, by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. Uh, SeatGeek does all the work, and you save the time and money. Uh and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. Uh, that's why every every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see uh, the underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals to fit your budgets. Best of all, you get $20 off for being a loyal listener to the show. Uh, get your $20 rebate uh, by downloading the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code which will be Section 10, all one word, Section 10, one zero. Uh, enter promo code Section 10. SeatGeek sends you 20 bucks after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code Section 10 today. Baby! Got a little distracted because you were trying to take pictures. I, th- I, I thought it was a picture, but it was a video Jared was taking. Oh, God. <laughs> it was one of those. And we're back. That's going to be awkward. Right? Yeah, okay. We're back. We're back. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to move on to John Farrell real quick. Um, can we actually drop in that cut from Comcast right here? Uh, we should because it's one of the funnier things I've, All right, I've so seen. So here's, here's uh, after David Price's start against the Tampa Bay Rays on Wednesday. Uh, here's what David Price had to say about his outing, and here's what John Farrell had to say about his outing. Probably had his best stuff uh, of the season. It's probably the, the worst changeup I've had in probably a month. Best stuff uh, of the season. Curveball is awful. I you know, can't can't get my cutter and my slider where I want to. Best stuff. I'm not commanding my fastball with it. I need to. Of the season. Best stuff of the season. Best stuff of the season. Of the season. Of the season. So no one cared who I was until I took on the mask. <laughs> John Farrell says that David Price had his best stuff of the season. Best. Meanwhile, David Price is saying how he had the shittiest changeup that he's had in the last month. Uh, okay, so if you're if you're the Red Sox, right? You're the players. Do you want your manager to say shit like that, or do you want him to kind of not when it's clearly untrue? Yeah, it's fine. If are you embarrassed if you're David Price? Like, aren't you like that's almost you don't need like, to be fucking coddled, right? Like, I'm looking at it this way: if I was still in middle school, right, or in high school, and I got my report card and I got like straight D's, but I'm sitting at the Thanksgiving table, and my mom is telling everyone how great I'm doing in school. 
I would feel so awkward. I'd be like, like, um, just tell them that like things are not. Tell them that like I'm kind (laughs) of stupid, but like I'm working on it. Yeah, it's like that. Well, the thing is, it's like when you say something like that, it's like he's trying. This is the best that he can do. He had good stuff. But the the result wasn't what we wanted. Yeah, the, the it's, thing it, it, like, it, like, it's way more encouraging to be like he didn't pitch well today, but he's a better pitcher than this. The person yeah. that I think did it best was Terry Francona because he would have his guys, but he wouldn't go over the top to protect them. Like Francona would say something like, "Look, was was he great? No, but we got some stuff that we can build on here." Like he would say something like that. He would say like he wasn't great. But he caved ten people, so we don't think it was a waste of a start. Yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to say like, "Yep, yep, yeah, Johnny." Uh, I think it was uh, best stuff of the season. Yeah, literally. If you're John Farrell after that game, I mean, he has no self awareness because I, when I say that I get a million tweets during Red Sox games, if say Joe Kelly goes out there and fucking gives up eight earned runs in three innings. Everyone is tweeting me, being like, "Oh, can't wait to hear how great Joe Kelly's stuff is after this." And then Farrell, no fail, will go out there and be like. Well, you know, he had electric stuff. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> are, but are, are we convinced, though, he might have money on this that he says it in every post game of the season? He might have great odds with his bookie. He's definitely trolling at this point. Like, yeah. there's no way he doesn't know that he talks about how great uh, his pitcher's stuff is after <laughs> they get their shit rocked. There's no way that he doesn't, like, catch this trend that he's built himself. Well, Johnny. Like, if, if I'm Farrell after that price start, right? You go out there and you say, well, I mean, obviously, he didn't have his best stuff today, but the 10 strikeouts, that's something that, you know, we can take a positive out of this, the 10 strikeouts. He got some swings and misses today, but, you know, there were some at-bats where the Rays, you I think know, we talked about this before, but maybe he just has a different definition of stuff than, than everybody else. Like, maybe he's talking about something else. People use stuff all the time in baseball. Nobody really knows what they're talking about. So you think it's not pitch-related? Yeah. It's maybe, maybe the meal he's... he brought before the game. He's got great stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like, yeah. He could be like talking like the pregame cookies. <laughs> great stuff today. Kelly brought great some great stuff. Great stuff today. Uh, he brought some Nerf guns and some squirt <laughs> water balloons. Yeah, David Price has some great stuff. I don't know if you've seen it, but we had a squirt gun fight before the game. Dude. Brought all the stuff. He you have great. a yard sale right by Fenway. He brought some great stuff to the ballpark today. <laughs> he's got a deal with Jordan. He brought everyone new shoes. It was great stuff. He's got a lot of good stuff. Seen his record collection? Some great vinyl. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, I think we're the idiots. We've been we've been hearing him wrong the whole time. It's Could like be us. It, you know, people say like never, never, never assume, never assume that he's actually talking about his pitches. True. He never says pitches. <laughs> it is true. Go uh, back. Look at the tape. <laughs> look at the tape. Never talks about. The, never says the word pitches. People forget. True. People forget that. So when when John Farrell was talking about this. And I was kind of criticizing him for not being on the same page as his players and talking about how great David Price's stuff was when Price is in there, you know, beating himself up. Obviously, I think that it's fair to criticize John Farrell for for doing that, but it, it was definitely misinterpreted by a lot of Red Sox fans being like, why are you trying to blame John Farrell for David Price's bad start? I'm like, I'm not, it's a completely different topic of conversation you can look at david price's bad start and then you can look at the fact that john farrell is saying that he has the best stuff of the season when he gave up four earned runs in three innings to a team that had five hitters in the lineup who are hitting under 200 and had just lost 11 straight games before they came into the series with the red sox you can blame somebody for a reaction without or you can criticize somebody for a reaction without blaming them for the action. It's two separate arguments. Yeah. It's two separate topics. 
Yeah, it's it was baffling that people were kind of connecting those two. Stop blaming John Farrell for David Price's start, dude. The fuck it. I'm convinced that you call in and just do that and then answer your own call. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. That's a, that's an accurate voice. Feed your own takes. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, I hate your stuff. I respect you, oh, but I hate your stuff. God. Um, yeah, so if you're the Red Sox, Pete. Yeah? <laughs> if you're Dave Dombrowski. Pete. The Red Sox are 10 and 16, okay? The Orioles and the Blue Jays play tonight. You have the chance, the opportunity, if those two teams win tonight, to be six games back of first place, and the uh, Blue Jays would pass you, so you'd be in third place. Your next game is July 1st. You have exactly one month until the trade deadline. What is your list of things that you would do to make this team better to win a championship in 2016. Oh, I think the obviously the number 1 is is starting pitching. I think the the two the two guy two or three is like a a guy that I would go for. Who? I don't know. That's I mean that's the question that we just had is like who do you go for? I I I'm not thrilled about the idea of giving up like a a now piece. Unless we're talking like Hanley Ramirez or something like that. But I don't want to give up like Mookie Betts. Okay, so here's a better question. Say the Red Sox go out and trade for Chris Sale. Problem solved? Are they a World Series contender? No, definitely not. Go then balls. where do you go from there? What, what else are you I doing? Think you, I think they have to add depth on the bench as well. Yep. Um, bullpen. Yep. That's Those are the big three for me. Left fielder. I was, I was gonna. There. I was just Steve, getting to that. Steve, take, take the floor. Take the floor, Steve. Chris Young's injury is worse than they initially thought. That's a line from PD Abe's from Johnny Farrell. Um, PD Abe's tweeted that. So his stuff was not good when they checked the MRI. Nope. Chris Young's leg had bad stuff. Um, it's tough because I think the Young injury isn't really being talked about, and he was playing pretty good ball. He was somebody that you could have in left field and not have to worry about, and that's a big deal. But we even mentioned on the last podcast. With the issues the Red Sox have right now, it's almost like that's what, like five? That's, having- what, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like in terms of priority, I wouldn't list that near the top. No, I wouldn't either, which kind of sucks that which, that's not even at the priority? top. Left fielder? Yeah. I, I, disagree. I disagree. I think that their their offense is is good enough that if you have good pitching, like they should be able to fucking win games if they don't score more than five runs. And they shouldn't need to score more than five runs. They shouldn't runs have to every trail in every day. first inning. And yep. then mentally that just messes with you. Okay, so I'm looking at it right now. The the last twenty two games before Chris Young went on the disabled list, he was hitting two ninety one with an eight ninety three OPS. Well since uh, the start of May he was three hundred hitter. Yeah, I mean this was May twenty fourth that I'm looking at here. Um so if yeah, if you want to go back even further to May tenth, then he's hitting three thirteen yeah. with a nine thirty eight OPS, and that's a twenty eight game sample size. So yeah, Chris Young was one of your hottest hitters when he went down. That being said, when he comes back, should he be your everyday left fielder? I still think that you should bring in a left fielder. Not only because they need a left fielder, we talk about how John Farrell is based. That's why I don't really. I, I still think that Farrell should be fired. But I think that a lot of the issues on this team should not be pinned on John Farrell per se. He's operating with the shittiest bench ever. I mean, that, that White Sox series where they came in for four games and they were playing like dog shit, and then they come in and take three or four from the Red Sox. You had a situation where it was bases loaded with nobody out in a tie game at the awful. bottom of the ninth, and you fucking lost. You sent Christian Vasquez and Ryan Lamar 
with two outs in the bottom of the ninth to the plate. Like that's that's just not ideal. This isn't uh, proven, but I think it's a fact that Marco Hernandez comes up in every clutch situation in the ninth and fails every single time. Every time we know that Hanley fails in the clutch, but every ninth inning two out situation, Hernandez is really good at striking out every fucking time. So if, if I think we talked about this on the lad last podcast that like. Outfielder, outfi- serviceable outfielders are a dime a dozen. Like uh, la- last year, Alejandro Diaz yeah. was great for the Red Sox. They picked him up on waivers. Yeah, like you can find a you can find a guy who can slot in and be be good, not great. Like I don't think that they need somebody great in left field. I don't think that they need somebody great. I just think that they need somebody better than Chris Young because Chris Young hitting against right-handed pitching is not going to last forever. Um, what happens with Brock Holt when he comes? So back? that's that's the key here. You're by adding an everyday left fielder. It's not even so much that you need an everyday left fielder because you want production in left field. It's that if you have an everyday left fielder and you get Brock Holt back, becomes your super utility guy. Thank again. you. That's exactly what this team needs because look at the situation with Xander Bogarts and how he was basically begging for a day off to the media, saying like, "Yeah, I have no legs underneath me. Um, I've made three errors in four days, and it's because I." Can't feel my fucking legs. <laughs> that was a direct quote. Like, he basically said that. He was like, I can't. Like, I'm so tired right now. He's like, I haven't hit a ball solid in weeks. Um, so I do agree that, point. like, if you have Brock Holt as a tweener, like, not a starter, but, like, not a Still bench player. Still get 400 at-bats. Yeah. That makes your bench so much better. Right. Because you, you right now... You don't really have a guy who can give Xander Bogarts a day off at shortstop and still be like a halfway decent Major League Baseball player at that position. You don't. So when Brock Holt comes back, I want someone else in left field. Not saying that Brock Holt in left field was a failed experiment. He was pretty good out there. But I just need him to be the guy that can play seven different positions because you look at the bench and it's like, okay, who the fuck are these guys? I have no idea who these fucking guys are. Bryce Brents, like he's a pretty good hitter, but... That's, you know, it's not someone that you want to see in the lineup a lot. <laughs> and, and and that's kind of the situation now because they've gone into the season without a left fielder the entire time. You know who would be a useful addition to have? My Duke. <laughs> no. Uh, Rusne Castillo. That would uh, be nice. He's so good. That would be nice if he were good at baseball. He was. That, uh, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it would be nice if he was actually good and was I on the I think he hit team. a home run last night. For the Did he? I think he so. was so bad at the dance the outfielders do after the win. Oh my god, that's, that's why he got dude, sent Brent's down. Was great and he stayed up. Yep. So it really just has to do if you can get the dance down, you can play for the Red Sox in left field. Did they stop doing? I, I think when they won that game in Tampa, I don't even think they did the dance because it's so bad, like situationally. I, yeah, that's right. I don't recall seeing it. I don't think that they did the dance. Probably because, a good call. I don't want to see them doing the dance. Yeah, me neither. If if the team sucks, right. Agreed. I don't. I, I mean, they might have done it, but I don't recall seeing. I don't it. recall seeing it either. Huh. Well, either good on them or good on Nesson for not showing it. True. That's yeah. True. I, honestly, I don't think that they did it. I think that they are uh, aware of how aggravated and fr- I mean, you you can't have a, a closed door team meeting getting reamed out for how much you suck and then dance and do on a the field. Jig in the yeah, outfield. You can't after, do yeah. it the next day. You can't. You got to go on a little bit of a run and get your swag back. And that was the worst part about when Brent's comes up, and we joke about the dance, but I kind of like it as Cheddar Bob overall. But that game was so uplifting. That comeback made no sense. I don't even know why I was watching. In it Texas? W- yeah. That was like awesome. they had no business winning that game. And the second Mookie hit it, 
I like just yelled. I didn't even know what to do. I was like, oh, God. And it, it was just like, how the hell did they win this game? And then you just shit the bed the next like five games. Yep. So they took no momentum from that. Yeah. There's no doubt Dave Dombrowski has his work cut out for him because it would be a miracle to be able to go out and get the type of pitcher that Buster only is writing the Red Sox are interested in. And that's just one piece. Even if you get that miracle one piece. You still need to go out and get a left fielder. You still need a reliever that can pitch high-pressure, uh, late-inning situations. You need a replacement for Carson Smith. Well, That's what you need. It's been, a, it's been a while since I feel like the, the front office has had those like two weeks before the trade deadline where, like back when Theo was here, the two weeks before the trade deadline, it, it looked like Theo didn't sleep, sleep at all <laughs> or like slept in his office every night for like two hours. He really did. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it hasn't seemed like it's been that way for a while where, like, the Red Sox really need to go in at the trade deadline. And this feels like if they want to go for it this year, which I think that that's the position that they're in, like, they're going coming off two terrible seasons, you have to fucking go for it. Like, they got to buy. I mean, the last couple of seasons, you were kind of lying to yourself that they had to buy because we didn't really think, like, I think we all knew that the teams. I said sell last year. Yeah, I think realistically we knew the team sucked. And this year you you see glimpses of it, so they realistically do have to go try to get a guy. They for sale. guys. They need multiple dudes that can throw where, baseballs. Where do you think that they sit at the trade deadline a month from today? Like record-wise? Or, yeah, or yeah, standings-wise? Yeah, standings yeah, that's one of our one of our topics here. Where do we think they are um, July standings 31st? Wise. August 1st. They push it ahead uh, a day this year. Where do you think they are August 1st? August 1st? Um... It's really hard to say. It really is because, all right, they're in the wild. They're hosting the wild card game right now, which is hilarious. Yeah, that in itself is laughable. I I just want to say one thing about Baltimore Orioles fans (laughs) and how they're the biggest fucking mental midgets in the MLB. (laughs) Because all my blogs that I'll write about the Red Sox, I have more comments from Orioles fans chirping, even when the Red Sox aren't even playing the Orioles, (laughs) than I do from actual Red Sox fans. Um. Because my point about the Orioles is that I still don't think that they're very good. They're on a hot run right now. They're, they've won, what, seven straight games? Those seven straight games are against the Rays and the Padres. And I know that the, uh, the Rays just took two out of three against the Red Sox. The Red Sox are not playing good baseball right now. So don't use the Red Sox as a measuring stick of how good the fucking Tampa Bay Rays are doing. They're a shitty team. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles are 18-18. and 18 against teams with a winning record. They're not a good team. They're, they're, they're good, but they're not as good as Orioles fans would like to think that they are. Uh, I honestly think that if they made it to a seven-game series, they'd probably lose in five. I mean, they have fucking Look Tillman. The rotation. Tillman and who? Well, Jimenez? Tillman's the quote-unquote ace. He has a 3-5-2. The record's misleading, 10-1. and one, that They probably just mashed the ball in those games. Yeah, they, they um, just set the record for most home runs in June. They, is, is Jimenez their number two? Because he's got like a 6-6 six, six ERA. Something like that. And then Guzman and uh, Gallardo. It's probably the least impressive starting rotation for a team that's on fire. They're on fire because they're playing shit teams. But then well, Orioles the, fans the will counter the and be offense like, is well, legit. I mean, the, the Rays just took two out of three from the Red Sox, so what are you going to say now? I'm going to say that the fucking Rays suck. That's what I'm going to say. They're not a good team, neither are the Padres. We're not discrediting the Orioles' offense, right? No, no, no. no, no I'm not You're discrediting. You're saying the, the pitching sucks. I'm saying that when they play good teams, they find out that they're really not that good. Yeah. 18 and 18 against, against teams with a winning record. Um, and... and you know, they're not building a lead because they're running away from it. The Red Sox fell to the Blue Jays. 
They did, the Red Sox have been playing shitty, shitty baseball the entire month of June. They were three games up. They were in first place. But does it get better over the next month? Well, yeah. I mean, they play a lot of home games. They're in home July. from now until the All Star break. Yeah, they're pretty much the a majority of the month of July. They are home. Um, they play the Rays again. Uh, they get Texas one more time, but they also have the Angels, who are in last place. These are teams that they should be beating. These are teams that you should beat up on. Uh, which <laughs> I mean, they should have beat up on the Rays in Tampa. Wasn't you know that's not how it worked out. And and the Rays, I think. Didn't they beat them two out of three at Fenway Park earlier in the year, too? I believe so, yeah. And they kicked David Price's ass at Fenway. Yeah. Uh, that game was awful. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where it's a favorable situation. Whether or not it plays out in the Red Sox' favor remains to be seen. It's you know We felt good about the White Sox coming in here for 4-2. The Red Sox were playing pretty decent baseball at that time, and then uh, they came in here and kicked your ass when they were playing. Best guess, shitty. do you think they hang around long enough or – Hang around decently enough where they they're buying at the deadline. Definitely, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it, for as shitty as they've been in June, they're still in the first wild card spot, which is still crazy. I, I still can't believe that. It says way more about the league than it does about the Red Sox. The league is pretty average at best. I mean, the the thing that kills me with the Red Sox right now, and you'll say it more in basketball, like you win off of matchups. When you look at how the Red Sox match up against the top two other teams in the AL East. It's miserable. Yeah. Because those lineups will kill you. Yep. Especially at Fenway. Some of the guys they have in their um their lineups will just literally destroy you. You're gonna give up seven to ten runs a game if you're pitching like this to the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Yep. So how are they gonna how do you get ahead of those teams? You need to add a guy at the deadline. You do. A big name guy. A big dick guy. I, a big name guy. Uh um, that might have a big dick. Do we have any other thoughts here, gentlemen? I was gonna say, yeah. Where I mean, we touched up on it. Where we think they're gonna be at the deadline standings wise, and I guess in the hunt, is that kind of the consensus? They will be buying at the deadline, one hundred thousand percent. I can't see. I mean, even if they have another shitty month, they'll still at least be in the picture. You cannot expect the Orioles to keep up at this pace. They've been killing good team. I mean, bad teams. Good for them. That's what they're supposed to do. They can only play who's on the schedule. Credit to them for doing what they're supposed to do, um, beating up on these shitty teams. Let's see how they play when they actually play good teams. Because so far, it's been exactly 500. One of my biggest concerns with where the Red Sox stand right now, obviously, we look past the rotation. We've already talked about that. Are the teams that are waking up that we expected to be there before the season? The Blue Jays, the Royals, the Astros are playing pretty good ball, and so I realistically could see the Red Sox being behind all of those teams come deadline time, which would potentially put you in, I don't know, four-fifth in the wild card standings? Unless the Red Sox start to heat up too, Steve. I think in this homestand, we see some life. We should. Yeah. If we don't, then we're fucked. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we want to say... <laughs> we want to say thanks you to everybody. that we had reads to do. <laughs> like that. You want to drop the mic so bad. Thanks to our producer, Steve Peralt, for producing. <laughs> you can check him out on Twitter, at Steve Peralt. Also, by the way, the contest to go to the Red Sox game Ooh. with us is still ongoing. It's heating up. Yeah, it is heating up. Shout out to that dude that did the Portland Sea Dogs sign. Yep. That was impressive. But it, it's not. It's, it needs to get on TV at Fenway Pack. Yeah, you need to get on TV at Fenway with the Section 10 podcast sign. Um, the more creative the sign, the better. Using catchphrases, whatever else you want to do. Uh, also... 
someone offered to do a Section 10 tattoo. I mean, if you were going to actually, if you're going <laughs> to do so that. Gross. I would feel bad. I mean, if you're going to do that. I can't, I can't well, then we that. have to pick them if they do that. You can't get a Section 10 tattoo and not. Well, what if, what if more than one person gets a Section 10 tattoo? And one of them's bigger, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we start measuring the size of their <laughs> Section 10 tattoo. Follow us on Twitter at Section 10 Pod. You can follow Pete Blackburn at, you guessed it, Pete Blackburn. <laughs> I don't have any social media accounts. Uh, the archive for the Section 10 podcast can be found at section10podcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Rate the show. If you give us a good rating, maybe we'll take you to Fenway. Probably not. I mean, there's a, there's a chance that we'll take you. I really, I honestly, I don't know. I haven't in my brain decided what what it's going to take. Yeah, like yeah, I, I don't know like, what it's going to take. I think, I think we're going to we're going to probably going to know when we see it. It's yeah, like, I th- I, th- I think that's the case. We'll be like, be like, all right, wow, shit, yeah, that you're that's, going. That person's coming. You're in. So impressive. Yeah. it's probably going to be boobs. Yeah, maybe. Section. <laughs> <laughs> Send us be. boobs. You'll you'll get to get to get to go. To the yeah, game. I mean, if you're, yeah. <laughs> That was a joke, but if you want to, no, you it can. wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> subscribe on iTunes and rate the show. Tell a friend. I know you got one. Maybe you don't. Why don't you make a friend and then tell them about the podcast? Because if you do that for us, then we'll do something for you. And that something is making sexy podcast <laughs> just for you every single week. We're not going to tell you what day. We're not going to tell you what time. I love that that's what the show has become. Yeah. I, lo- yeah. I, just, I love the surprise podcast. Podcast on your ass. No consistency. Stop asking us when the podcast is coming. Just know that you the, get I, one. I think that's the, what it got born out of. It's like, stop asking us when the podcast is coming. You get it when you get it. And then we just fucking drop it on your heads at 1130 at night. <laughs> yeah, we're, <doing> it, <laughs> we're dropping these late. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's great. It's hilarious. Like, Twitter goes bonkers when they come out. People are like, I had my alarm set. Damn it. <laughs> I was about to go to the bed. Se- the Section 10 pub uh, podcast is basically like the publisher's clearinghouse now. It's like we show up at your door with a fucking huge <laughs> check. And we're like, what's up? You're a millionaire. Except you're rich on awesome podcasts. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Uh, <laughs> check out our sponsor, Sock Signatures at SockSignatures.com. Use promo code Section 10 to get 10% off your first order. Use promo code Section 10. To get your free $20 after a SeatGeek order. Coupons, bitch. <laughs> and now... <laughs> I didn't feel forced. And now... And now, the Section 10 Podcast voicemail starring you. Now, I understand that Craig Kimbrell is a certified G and a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. But that guy in right field, that's Robbie Ross Jr., and he's the lawnmower, and you can't teach that, John. Three days in a row with Craig? Use the lawnmower, John. Jesus. Holy shit. What did I just watch? You mean to tell me that laser show can't knock those guys in? fucking getting me. I haven't been this pissed off since the AFC Championship game. Fuck. Hey boys, it's Kyle. Uh, I'm not overly fired up about loading the bases in the bottom of the night and somehow not winning, but I am overly fired up about my return to Fenway. First time back since we retired Pedro's number. 
seeing Hebrew Appreciation Night on Wednesday. It's going to be a big night. I'm going to have a couple beers. We're going to maybe sneak in front of the O's. Math-wise, I'm going to let Steve handle that one. But I'm fired up to be back for Hebrew Appreciation Night. And hope to see you all there. The motherfucking knuckle puck gets shafted again. When are we going to win a game again? This this is just a, a terrible, terrible evening. Too much. Too much going on with a 3-1 to one loss. It's, I don't know, guys. Tell me what you think. Not enough Taco Bell in the world to save this one. Jared, Pete, and Steve. Joe Bruzzo, take three. I'm sorry I keep calling so many times. You can actually send me the bill, even though I'm fucking calling long distance. I'll help pay for it. But uh, just these, these losses, man, they fucking hurt so much. They seem to me to be hurting so much more than last year's losses because it's like we expect them to fucking win with this fucking talent. And last year, I was just like, oh, Wade Miley's fucking milking cows. Now if I can... They're doing what they're doing. I didn't expect a fucking thing out of them last year. But this year, this fucking year, when you're fucking goddamn leading the fucking major leagues and fucking batting, and you have an ace like Price and Wright's in there too, and I know, fucking dude, I'm going crazy because guess what? I know. We're 10 games over 500 or 9 games over 500. Should be satisfied, but we should be fucking winning these fucking games. These are the games that champions win. Early in the season, here. God help me, motherfucker. God damn it. Love you guys, man. Holy shit. How the fuck does the team with the second best offense in the MLB not score a goddamn run when Stephen Wright, the Cy Young winner, goes fucking a complete game without any earned runs and we fucking lose god damn it John fucking Farrell get the fuck off my fucking team this guy is literally the biggest piece of shit ever sure he pinch hit for Travis Shaw thank god should have done that when he was in fucking San Francisco but Pedroia? Dude, like, what the fuck? Come on, man. It's a fastball right down the daddy dick, and you can't fucking hit it. Base is fucking loaded. I swear to God, I picked a bad day to quit drinking. Hey, it's, uh, it's Mason from Saugus. I, uh, kinda hate everything right now. Uh, just watch the Sox, um, make me want to have a cyanide pill. But yeah, uh, great work with everything. Hope they don't make you feel that way. Okay, Pete, your voice is so ridiculously annoying, it's not even funny. I just watched the Red Sox lose 3-1, and I have to listen to your voice tell me to leave a message. I'll do what the fuck I want. Hey, Jared. Hey, Pete. Hey, Steve. Jimmy here. Um, I'm pretty drunk. Uh, just got done watching the Red Sox Seattle game, and uh, I just, I just want to fucking die. Red Sox are so fucking bad. Like, how could a team go from being just so amazingly good to so abysmally shitty in just like the blink of an eye? The past two weeks have been so fucking bad. Like, across the board almost. 
pitching obviously is the fucking biggest glaring red hole, and I am completely in favor of a, a total apocalypse situation with our pitching staff. Fucking everyone. I'm talking everybody. There's, there's no one I'm willing to fucking give up at this point. Fucking even Price and Wright. I don't even care at this point. Just complete apocalyptic situation with that shit. Yeah.